0: Today's the two-year anniversary of Dead Rabbit Radio, and we're going to take a look at one paranormal story, one conspiracy story, and one true crime story. First off, the world was supposed to end in 2012, but that's long past, or has it? Then we travel to Australia to look at a true crime case that'll send chills down your taste buds. And finally, we take a look at a conspiracy theory from the conspiracy theory iceberg. It's called Comic-Con Child Recruitment. Is the industry of nerds and nerd culture actually aiding and abetting the trafficking of children? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. I hope you guys are having a great week. This is the two-year anniversary of Dead Rabbit Radio. We started the show on June 13th, June 14th in 2018, and here we are. Here we are. It's amazing, right? I'm giving myself a round of applause. I'm hoping you guys are joining in with me. Scenes of me, like, saluting you guys, and you guys, it's all raining on you. I have an umbrella. I'm totally dry. But it's more dramatic when you guys are soaping wet or soaking wet as people normally call it. Your hair is all drippy, and I'm just like, I don't know how I'm clapping holding an umbrella, but I'm doing it somehow. I'm that magnificent. Willem Defoe is standing off to the side. He's standing in the wings. He's just nodding his head. Yeah. Yeah. This is, I don't know why. I don't know why I'm here. Maybe Willem Defoe listens to the podcast. I turn, I look at Willem Dafoe, I kinda wink, and then he fades away, and I'm like, that's weird. He was never real all along. We got a lot of stuff to cover. Let's go ahead and get started. First off, I want to give a shout out to our newest Patreon supporter, Hunter Johnson. Hunter, we're still clapping? The first person who stops clapping gets shot. Hunter, thank you so much for supporting the show. Really, really helps out a lot. Really appreciate it. You're going to be our captain, our pilot, possibly our rowboat a rower. I don't know what vehicles we use in this episode. If you can't support the Patreon, though, that's okay, too. Just help get the word out about the show. That really helps out a lot. My first batch of stickers for Patreon people, patrons, patrons, whatever. You guys are going out Monday. They're awesome stickers. I'm not revealing the design yet. I'll reveal it in the future after I think everyone has their sticker. And just to let you guys know, we do have the Minecraft server up. And we're having a lot of fun on the Minecraft server. That's free to everyone and it'll remain free to everyone as long as everyone behaves but i can just ban people if they get too out of hand so i think we'll be okay hunter let's fire up that carpenter copter let's start off in the carpenter copter here we are flying out to the university of tennessee (laughs) we're flying over we see a bunch of like buildings and stuff some grass it's the only combination of those things in tennessee is university of tennessee everything else is either all grass or buildings and no grass we see a combination, land here, land here. The reason why we're here is that a Patreon supporter, Tessa, sent me a story. Sent me this story, and so we have to investigate it. I really, really appreciate it, Tessa. This is a really interesting one. We're walking across the University of Tennessee. I think all the classes are not there. I don't. I think we're the only ones there right now because of the corona lockdown and summertime. So we're walking. It's kind of cool. we like just playing frisbee. We're taking our time petting dogs. Eventually, we get to the office of Paolo Tagalogan. I can almost guarantee I'm mispronouncing that name, but Paolo Tagalogan. We walk up to his office, knock on it, and you go, Jason, I'm pretty sure he's not here. Like, we were the only ones playing Frisbee, and we don't know where all these dogs came from, but you made us pet him. I don't think he's here. I'm knocking on the door, and I, I stop, and I look at you, and I go, but that's the point, isn't it? That's the point. This is a weird one. It starts off as a very simple story. Doomsday prophecies, they come and they go. You know prophecies that are based on exact dates are going to fail because the world's not going to end. And then the first thing they do is move the date forward. And so it should shock nobody that this scientist, uh, Paolo Tagalong, what's going to call him, Paolo? I'm sure you guys are already sticking ice picks in your ears. Uh, Paola. Paola. He goes... Um, guys, he's working on, like, a giant chalkboard and stuff. He's, like, writing stuff down, and other nerds are sitting around. They're, like, what's going on? Why are you still using chalkboard? Why aren't you using a computer like the rest of us? He's, like, I'm calculating this. If we look at this setting of what I've written, the Gregorian calendar changed, and then, like, this X plus a triangle equals a starfish and all this stuff. He's looking down on this stuff, and he goes, according to my calculation, we lost, like, 11 days a year when we switched to the Gregorian calendar. And so, at, over the course of 268 years, when we started the Gregorian calendar, that means that if we, if we, if we, he has like a, one of those uh, projectors and he has like two transparencies and he puts them over each other. This is the Mayan calendar. And then he moves the Gregorian calendar over it. And now it makes one image and it glows dramatically. They're like, how do you do that? It does it anyways. And he goes, according to my magical calculations, 2012, December 21st, 2012, was supposed to be the end of the world depicted in the Mayan calendar, but it wasn't. Obviously, we're still around. But because we switched over the Gregorian calendar, what that means is that it should be June 21st, 2020 is the end of the world. And everyone goes, that's stupid. That's the dumbest thing we've ever heard. And he goes, yeah, yeah, but the math checks out. This is what I find interesting about this. And again, thank you, Tessa, for sending this over. I'm still knocking on the door because we want to ask him some questions. We want to look at the equations ourselves. And you're <laughs> knocking on the door that whole time, and you're like, Jason, can you not obviously he's not there? And I turn and I go, but that's really the question, isn't it? And you're like, quit quit being vague. Here's the thing. This is what I in all the articles I read on this, it said scientist Paolo Tagalogan said this in a now deleted tweet. And I go, fake. It's obviously fake. No one has a screenshot of the the tweet. There's a chance this guy doesn't even exist, right? So I Googled his name. No, again, nobody has the tweet. No one has a screenshot of him actually saying this. I Googled his, I looked him up on Twitter. He doesn't have an account. Shocker, of course, I go, this dude's fake. I I Googled him. What's weird is is this is where it gets weird. This is why I was knocking on this door. He existed at some point in social media. If you go on Twitter and you look for him in the search bar, you won't find anything. But if you go to Google and you type in his name, and I'll have the links in the show notes you can replicate this, you'll see one of the hits is for a Twitter account, um, at P. Tagalogan. And it says underneath it, the latest tweets from his name, Fulbright Scholar, Biologist, Athlete, Researcher, Knoxville, Tennessee. It says that, but when you click on that, it says this account doesn't exist. It's the same thing. If you, You'll see on that first page of Google results for his name a LinkedIn profile. Click on that. The LinkedIn profile you're looking for is not public or does not exist. If you type his name into Instagram, you'll get nothing. But on that first page of Google results, you click on the Instagram link. It says the link you followed may be broken or the page may have been removed. So if you go to these individual sites and look for it, you won't find it. But they're still cached in the Google memory. This guy existed. I went to the Fulbright program. Not myself. I didn't actually attend. I'm like, hey, what's up, Apollo? He's like, dude, you've known me for six years. Can you learn to pronounce my name? No, dude. I went to the Fulbright program's website. There's a photo of him. He exists. He has a master's in biotechnology. So it matches up when we look at his Twitter profile, Fulbright Scholar, in biology. So this guy existed at one point, but now he's been completely scrubbed from the internet. There's two, there's traces of him, and there's two theories. One is the logical theory, and one's the insane fun theory that we like to talk about. The logical theory is this guy made this proclamation, said, and he may have not made it recently. He may have made it a couple years ago, but now it's getting attention because it's coming up. He goes, well, according to my calculations, it should be June twenty first, twenty twenty. Should be in the world. And he got completely bombarded by every lunatic who came out of the woodwork. That's the most likely scenario, right? That he you have this biologist who lives a pretty humble life poking amoebas with a stick. And then all of a sudden, every Alex Jones wannabe is knocking on his door at his office. But then well, let's look at the fun conspiracy thing, because that's what we want to look at. He exposed the truth, a truth so deep. The government's like, mm-mm-mm, they're shaking their finger, and they take, made him take down all of his social stuff. That's obviously ludicrous, because people say even weirder things, and people honestly say even more weird and true things online all the time, and they're still up. But I'm, I'm, I think this is the thing. I think there would be a conspiracy theory about his disappearance if people did any due diligence. I've seen this article get published several times, and nobody that I can tell tried to track him down the way that I'm tracking him down. Art, these articles are just saying, and a now-deleted tweet, and a now-deleted tweet. If more people knew that he had disappeared, I think the conspiracy theory would grow immensely because you have a guy who made this claim, and now he can't be found. This is really the first time this is getting out in the public, that this guy has been scrubbed from the internet. So maybe in the next six days, this conspiracy theory will grow, or probably five days by the time you're listening to this episode. Or six, actually. Yeah, uh, no, five. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And when the world doesn't end, then everyone will forget that this even happened. And we'll move on to the next calamity. But thank you, Tessa, for sending us that story. So let's hop in the Carpenter Copter Hunter. We are leaving behind the University of Tennessee. We are headed out to Australia. (laughs) And as we're flying over the ocean, we're headed to Australia. This story, I got most of this information from a Vice article, and it was written by Jaleesa Castro-Dale. And I want to give her props because this is basically all the information she did a lot of research for this she interviewed these people and all the information online is really from this article so hats off to you intrepid researcher it's october 5th 2003 we're in sydney australia so good day governor we're hanging out there we're with a couple steven and jessica white so we're walking into like this restaurant and we're going to sit down we're going to order some food and But we're not really. I mean, I am, because I'm hungry. You can. But we're ordering food, and we're kind of looking over a menu. And we see Steven and Jessica White walk in, and they got three kids. We're at the Coogie Bay Hotel. And everyone's there. They're kind of dressed up because they're there to watch the Rugby League Grand Final. We're not there to watch that, though. We're there to watch this family. So we see them, and they're kind of being, allegedly, they're kind of being jerks, right? They're complaining about a bunch of stuff. What? These chairs have four legs. I prefer my chairs to have five legs. What? This table has a cloth. I prefer my cloth to have a table. And the staff's like, oh, come on. They're complaining about a bunch of stuff. And eventually, the manager goes, hey, guys, tell you what, tell you what. We will give you a free gelato, this giant thing of gelato. We're sorry for everything that's gone on. We will immediately replace your tablecloth with a cloth table. And they're like, oh, that's awesome. They bring out this giant thing of gelato. And then we have a quote. Maybe one of the most important quotes ever spoken in a true crime story. This is Jessica White. There were four scoops, including vanilla. You can imagine, imagine this as a dramatic reenactment in forensic files. It's like the lighting gets all dark and the family's sitting around this gelato. There were four scoops, including vanilla, chocolate, and hazelnut. And so you're like, that's only three. Huh? You don't let me finish. Hold on. There were four scoops. That's the mystery scoop. There were four scoops, including vanilla, chocolate, and hazelnut. At the bottom, there appeared to be chocolate. Greedily, I went for it ahead of the kids. Sticks her spoon in, and then the voiceover of Forensic Files is like, As the spoon cut through the first two scoops, little did Jessica know what laid at the bottom. And then you see the dramatic reenactment. I'll continue the quote here. Greedily, I went for it ahead of the kids. Thank heavens I did. The stench, the taste. I spat the food into a napkin and immediately I was sick. The fourth scoop of gelato was human poop. Dun dun! So that's 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 (laughs) okay. So that story is a woman was tricked into eating poop. I have to say a couple things. One, if I took a bite of poop, I'm 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 not looking for a napkin. I'm not worried about being polite. I'm not going to be like, <coughs> give me, a napkin, give me a napkin, what honey, what napkin, a napkin. <coughs> that's going everywhere. That's going on my kids, my husband, everywhere. Now, you go, Jason. Really, that's your true crime story for your two-year anniversary. This happened back in two thousand three. It went to trial. The family said we were complaining so much that someone in the kitchen pooped in our ice cream, hid it, hid their poop at the bottom. Actually, I think about it, how in what universe do you mistake human poop with gelato? Right? Like gelato is basically Italian ice cream. So it's kind of the same thing. First off, for my, and I'm not, I know guys, I, I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but we all poop, right? We all take poops. That's probably one out of every hundred poops where I look at it, because, you know, you look at it, right? You have, you have to check it, especially when you get old. You're like, is there any blood in there? <laughs> have fun, kids, because eventually you do have to start doing that. The You look at the poop, every so every one in a hundred poops, you go, oh, I could probably disguise that as chocolate ice cream. But for the most part, right? For the most part. And even if the color matches, the texture's not gonna match, and you, dude, how did they not smell that coming? And actually, so that's an interesting thing because the family obviously said someone pooped and put the gelato on top of it and brought it to us and i took a bite i'm going to sue you and the store goes no 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 no, that never happened you must have pooped and hid it in there and taken a bite of it because now that we think about it the flavor well obviously the flavor's off but the texture's off the color's off and how did they not smell it coming i'll have to say this Unless this family, unless their ancestor was snake eyes, it would be really hard to take a poop, hide it in ice cream, without anyone noticing in the middle of a restaurant. Like, that's quite the ninja skill, right? To be able to poop in your sitting in your seat. That's, that's easy. That's what toilets are designed for. But poop in your seat, scoop the poop, put it in the ice cream. Like, I don't think they could do that. But anyways, they got the police involved. They got a food safety group involved. They're doing lab tests on this poop. They looked into this for 11 years. They actually sent the poop to a lab. The only thing they could say conclusively is that it came... I didn't even know this was possible. I did not know this is where science led us. They could tell. They're like looking at it with little tweezers and stuff like that. The whole thing reminded me of that episode of It's Always Sunny, Who Pooped the Bed? But this one's real. They were able to tell the poop came from a woman's butt. How How would you ever know that? Apparently that is now, that is, that's that's science fiction, right? If you read that in a book, if you read that in a Philip K. Dick book, you would think that's not real, but no. You, I keep saying they investigated this for 11 years, 11 years. In the end, do you know who pooped in the gelato? They, t- they went and they looked through all the video cameras of the hotel. They interviewed all of the staff. They interviewed the family. After 11 years, to this day, nobody knows who pooped in that gelato. That's, serial killers don't even have that kind of luck, right? <laughs> People have torture dungeons built into their semis and troll America looking for fresh meat and they get caught. But some, someone was able to poop in a relatively public place, transport said poop into food. And not only keep their mouth shut, but if anyone saw it, I mean, organized whoever did this should join an organized crime gang because again, people Takashi Six Nine was ratting people out and they didn't really even commit any crimes. This guy or girl apparently came out of a woman's butt, pooped, and kept her mouth shut for eleven years and never broke. So, what was the name of the gang? Like the East Coast Gangster Blitz or something like that? Forget Takashi Six Nine. Go to Australia. Pick up this chick, right? You, she may not be useful in any sort of like drive-by shootings or drug trafficking, but if you ever need poop put in a prosecutor's gelato, you know they're going to keep their mouths shut. So that is a that is my true crime mystery for my two-year anniversary special. Let's leave the bay. Let's leave this hotel. We're walking out. I'm, I'm carrying a doggy bag. You're like, Jason, that's not gelato, is it? And I'm like, you'll never know. You'll know when you fall asleep and I'm putting it in your mouth. But until then, because it is gelato, until then, we are leaving behind beautiful, sunny Australia, October 5th. That's a day after my birthday. That's pretty cool. I just looked at that date. We are leaving behind Australia. We're headed to San Diego. Although both those stories were kind of lighthearted and fun. I mean, the first one involved the end of the world. and The second one involved a woman eating poop out of another woman's butt. But this story is more serious, so sometimes I like to tell the funnier stories to lead into this. This is one from the Conspiracy Theory Iceberg, and I got a request to do this a long time ago. I think it was via email, but it could have been YouTube, from someone named Cypher. And he asked to do this story on Comic-Con child recruitment. It is actually in the Conspiracy Theory Iceberg. I'm not going to give you a bunch of statistics about it, but we're going to do a brief overview of child trafficking, human trafficking in the United States in particular just to kind of get a scope of the problem, and then we're going to break down what that probably means, the uh, Comic-Con child recruitment. I think, you guys, I think you guys will probably have an idea of where I'm headed with it, but then I want to add another layer onto it as well. Child trafficking is a massive problem, obviously, in the United States. There's, there's a lot of statistics. Worldwide, there's more slaves now than there were during the slave trade. We have massive problems with slavery in the Middle East and Africa still. We have massive problems with slavery in the United States. A lot of the slavery in the United States is domestic, people being brought over from other countries and being forced to work in homes as maids, as things like that, nannies. They, they, you basically, you bring someone over, you take their passport, this isn't a how-to, don't be taking notes during this, you bring someone over to this country, their host country, take their passport, tell them they have to earn their trip over, and you never do. Or it takes 10 years for you to earn it. We see a lot of this in uh, like nail salons have issues with human trafficking. Not all of them. Not all of them. But we see it from like in Europe, they have issues with people being trafficked from Eastern Europe. People from Eastern Europe being sent west. In Asia, you have people being trafficked from Asia to the United States. In the Middle East, you have people being trafficked from Africa into the Middle East. So... No country is immune to this. It's a serious problem. The world has a slave problem. And on top, I mean, obviously, being a slave is bad enough. But being sold into sexual slavery is even worse. It would be worse on an order of magnitudes, right? You, it would suck to have to wash someone's dishes the rest of your life. But it could be worse. And that's what we're going to be talking about is sex trafficking. Now, sex trafficking is always aided and abetted by prostitution. So whether or not... The the highest rate of human trafficking in the United States is Washington, D.C. The second highest rate of human trafficking is Nevada. It's because the prostitution industry. I mean, by a huge margin, it's Washington, D.C. and then Nevada. And then after that, we get like New York City, San Francisco. The places you would expect the trafficking to be higher. They're port cities. People come from all over the world to these cities and you get trapped there. I mean, we're going to take even another look at human trafficking. So we have, glo- we have the global slave trade, which is still in existence and absolutely horrible. Then the global slave trade, we have sex trafficking, which is out human trafficking. And again, I, I need to k- just keep showing you the scope of this. Outside of drugs and guns, black market guns and drugs, human trafficking is the third most profitable black market business in the world. Brings in billions of dollars a year. It's very, very lucrative. Some gangs have switched to human trafficking. Your supply never runs out. There's always more humans being born. It's a lot harder to bust. Most people who get sold into sex trafficking, they're in it for three years before law enforcement, they even show up on law enforcement's radar. You, can, you, you can't be like, hey, coke, don't talk. If, if the police pull you over, just keep your mouth shut because it's cocaine. You can run tests on it. It's obviously a drug, but you can tell people, keep your mouth shut or I'm going to kill your parents. They're going to keep their mouth shut. They could get arrested a hundred times and never reveal anything. So we have human slave trade across the planet right now. And then there's a subset of that is sex trafficking. But there's even a a subset underneath that, and that is sex trafficking within the United States, a.k.a. recruitment. And this isn't where you're bringing people from another country and you're basically trapping them. It's arguably worse. You could say this one is worse or not. I I think it's pretty awful. This is where you prey on people. It generally happens to young women. So that's where you get child recruitment. So you see how the conspiracy theory is coming together. But you find a 15-year-old girl, which is the average age in America of these girls getting recruited. The idea of finding a woman walking down the street and snatching her and pulling her into a van and then being sold into the sex trade is incredibly rare. It's very, very, very rare statistically in the United States. Most of these women are recruited. Boyfriends girlfriends, hey girl, let's go hang out at the mall, and that girl who they think is a friend is introducing them to their pimp, it's very, very common most of these girls willingly, air quotes willingly join this lifestyle, they don't know what they're getting into, tricked would be a better word but I can make you a star baby, oh you're so beautiful, no one's ever told you you're beautiful before, they're wrong you're so beautiful, hang out with me and it's this descent, you meet someone, they pay attention to you no one's paid attention to you before, they got their hooks in you, or people pay too much attention to you, you've been abused, your dad's doing stuff to you, your brother's doing stuff to you, every boyfriend's treated you wrong, and then this guy shows up, and he's treating you right, he loves you, baby, he gets his hooks into you, so it's like a recruitment thing. The idea of the young girl travel, I don't know if this is still a stereotype, but it was when I was a kid, you'd have this idea of the young girl from Kansas traveling to LA to make it big, and the bus station would be full of perverts. I mean, all bus stations are full of perverts, but you know what? There would be people waiting at the bus station at LA to find these young girls. I'm sure it still happens. I don't know if it's still a stereotype, but to find these young girls getting off of the bus or getting off the train. Hey, hey, how's it going? No, 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 I got a bunch of friends. And they come off super slick, super charming. Predators are good at what they do. Just like a lion is good at what it does. It was built to take down gazelles. Pimps. Sex traffickers are designed by nature to do what they do. They've honed their skills over the years. Same way, a better example than a lion would be a salesman. You can tell a good salesman from a bad salesman almost immediately. Actually, you can tell a bad salesman almost immediately. A good salesman actually seems like he's your friend. That's the difference. Comic-Con child recruitment. And I think that we're going to talk about this conspiracy theory. I think it relates to all conventions and, in a greater way, all of nerd culture. But think about this. You have a comic book convention. And it's full of young people. It does attract young people, right? And I'm going to make some generalizations here. I know some of you guys and gals are fans of nerd culture and things like that. Uh, So I'm going to make some stereotypes and uh, just just to discuss this thing. I think a good portion... And you guys may agree or not. But I think a good portion of nerd... And I think this relates to how I felt... When I was into really into nerd culture growing up, there were no conventions. We had conventions, but we had an anime room and they wheeled in a television set with a VCR and there was like six of us and we watched records of Lotus War. No one was into anime back in 88 when I was watching it. And they had a comic book convention in the next room. But now they have these huge mega halls, movie th- movie companies come out to preview their their products and things like that. So you have people who are into nerd culture, can tend to be lonely or socially isolated in the real world online they may have a lot of friends they may have a gaming guild they may run their own website but in the real world they may feel more isolated not all of them but again i'm going to speak in stereotypes so you have someone who's socially isolated you'll have someone who's from out of town of course people the locals are going to go to san diego comic-con or any comic-con really so you have all this going on And you have this predator watching this and watching these girls come in from out of town. He can tell they're shy. He can tell they're awkward. You just read their body language. This is his business, and he's good at it. If he wasn't good at it, he wouldn't be in business. And he finds these women. He approaches them. I think the easiest selling point in this scenario would be, I work for X company. We're looking for extras for our new nerd movie. You would be perfect in that. It's You had to stay a couple more days, we're doing a shoot, da-da-da-da-da. And these girls who are coming from BFE, out in the middle of nowhere, coming to this Comic-Con... Dress sexy. For the first time, they feel sexy. for In their hometown, they're a big old nerd. But now that they're in this Comic-Con, and they're wearing that skin-tight Black Widow outfit, and guys are stopping to take pictures with them, and they feel totally empowered and all this stuff. And to have someone come up, an older man come up and say, we are going to do this film project. We're going to start shooting in a couple days. Can you stay a couple days? Don't worry, you can stay at my buddy's house. Yeah, no, we got to totally... And, or you have a girl approach them. Hey, you know, I'm a recruiter and we're doing this show and we would love to have you on it and you're getting all this attention. Hey, you can stay at my buddy's house. We're just going to be a couple more days before we can do the shoot. Snatch like like a talon, like an eagle's talons digging into a trout. And by the time you realize you're in danger, you're already 100 feet up in the air and you're watching that water get farther and farther away. Those talons are deep inside of you. But Jason, those girls are dumb. I know better. I wouldn't do that predators are like cult leaders these people do what they do for a living they're very very good at it very good at it billion billions of dollars a year this industry rakes in comic-con child recruitment i believe is on the conspiracy theory iceberg for two reasons i actually think it's on there for one reason but then we're going to actually put on our conspiracy cap and really go the extra mile with this one you can make the argument that the scenario i just laid out for you happens. And it happens all the time at comic book conventions. Because I think it is the perfect hunting ground for a predator. You're going to get people who are socially awkward. You're going to get people who are dressed super provocatively and getting attention they never got before. At their hometown, they're just little Sally who wears a potato sack. And here they're witch blade. People are stopping them, taking their photos. They feel like a starlet. And then someone comes out and says they can make them a star. Someone comes out and says, you want to go out to coffee? I think the stardom thing works more because they're already getting a ton of attention there. But it could be both. It could be both, 100%. Get those claws into them. Now, on one hand, you could say it's on the conspiracy iceberg, Comic-Con child recruitment, because of that. Because it is a perfect hunting ground for a predator. You're meeting people who are socially awkward and wearing provocative costumes, getting attention for the first time. Someone pops out of the woodwork and goes... We can make you a star, blah, 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 blah. That's definitely reasonable, but we're going to take it a step further. We're going to put on our conspiracy, because that that is likely. And that would actually happen at any place where you're going to have a sizable group of young women, right? You're going to have traffickers try to set up at YWCA's. You're going to have traffickers try to set up at, I don't know, Bed Bath & Beyond, wherever. Wherever you can find a group. I wonder if, actually, that that makes me wonder if. I guess there's probably, I guess you are older women. But anywhere where you would have younger, I'm now imagining a pimp hiding in the pillow section. The Anywhere where you would have young women congregate, you're going to try to have child traffickers get in. Disneyland has issues with it. Don't sue me, Disney. Allegedly has <laughs> issues with it. But we're going to take it a step further. Because that's what we're going to do. We're going to put on our conspiracy caps. And we've done this in the past with like golf rumors. The Ocean at Night, Eglis Travel, all these other conspiracy theories on the conspiracy theory iceberg. We're going to take it to the next level. Now, what I'm about to say, I have no proof for it. I don't necessarily even believe it. But we're going to take this to the next level. Your goal is to... You're a child trafficker. Sorry. Well, not you. We'll make person X is a child trafficker. Now, X has an issue. They need more kids. And this is a very, very lucrative business. So you're looking at the landscape and you go, we can, The Bed Bath & Beyond initiative didn't really work. We need to get more kids. I need, in particular, more young girls. So you have this child trafficker thinking, how do I get the kids to come to me? Because again, I'm not, I'm done. I'm so high up in the game. I'm not trying to get one kid at a time. I want to get hundreds or thousands at a time. To fuel the need for my business. It's absolutely disgusting that there's even an industry dedicated to the sex. I mean, it's absolutely bizarre that they're even pulling in this much money, right? But, you know, people are disgusting. So, he has a product he needs. He has an audience. He just he's running out of product. If You can get them to come to him. Now, you could go, oh, are you saying that? And again, in theory, I'm not saying that I believe this, but that the comic book conventions were created by child traffickers. No, because, uh, I, like I said earlier, back in 88, when I was going to comic book conventions, there weren't a lot of people going. Nowhere even close to one of these big conventions now, which can have 130,000 people to it. And it was all dudes. It was all dudes. There was maybe f- I, I, There wasn't even token girls there. Every so often you'd go into a comic book shop and someone would have their girlfriend in there. There'd be a sister. But growing up, it was incredibly rare. Incredibly rare. And I was at the comic book shop all the time. I mean, anecdotal, but still, super rare. So just starting a comic book convention wouldn't change anything. But you have a child trafficker who's raking in one of the top guys here. He's raking in millions and millions and millions of dollars a year. Not only that, but he's supplying children to very, very powerful people. And he makes a suggestion. I want to have conventions. These comic book conventions you guys already have, where all these pasty-faced nerds show up. They're looking through old issues of New Mutants and stuff like that. It's perfect. It's perfect. But the problem is is that there's not enough chicks. I'm going to make some phone calls and starts calling up people. This is where it gets weird, guys. (laughs) This starts calling up people. You need to have more women in your superhero movies. What? Yes, hear me out. We need to have more women in video games, in superhero movies, in comic books. We need to make nerd culture accessible to women. And the child trafficker goes, this is my end game. I can get young women to travel from all over the United States, from all over the world, really, to some of these big conventions. And have them come to the United States. And we'll have our pick. We'll have our pick of the best of the best. We have three days to hunt this girl, that girl. I can put 10 recruiters into a convention and each one can pull 50 girls. And out of those 50, maybe 10 or 20 will stick around. Over the course of three days, I can get 200 new prospects. And then we'll do it at the next comic book convention. But see, I need to get these young women to be into nerd culture. So let's reboot Doctor Who. Let's add that Captain Marvel character. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's reboot all this stuff and put in a bunch of women. And see, it's a win-win because you guys will look like you're doing it because you're for women's rights. The movie studio looks like they're doing something to promote women. To promote women. It doesn't matter that what they're promoting is violent, right? It doesn't matter what they're promoting is reinforcing gender stereotypes, but in a costume that even though now I'm badass and I'm, like, punching people in the face, I still have to have a certain body type. I'll still get... Applauded because I've taken a generic male hero and replaced it with a woman who's very attractive and slim, but it's inclusive. So you get brownie points and I get young women who don't know their place in the world, who are socially awkward, dressing up as their favorite hero and traveling a thousand miles from their hometown. Obviously, that's insane. There's, there's, that's insane. There's no, there's never been even a hint of a connection between sex trafficking and Hollywood, right? That's, that's never happened. Never. We've never ever heard of some high-level Hollywood person being connected with horrible sex crimes or trafficking of any kind, drug trafficking, human trafficking. That's never happened, right? But that's never happened, right? None of that's ever happened. It It's crazy to think that a high-level trafficker could talk to any major player in Hollywood. Why would someone who makes millions of dollars a year off the misery of children be able to call up this producer? It's not like they would ever know each other. It's not like they both operate in the city of L.A. It's not like the rich like to hang out with the powerful and vice versa. Obviously, that conspiracy theory, I cranked it up to 11, right? That conspiracy theory is most likely not true. It's just another trip across the conspiracy theory iceberg to see how insane things can get. But it's not insane because it could never happen. It's insane because if it was happening, if the reason we're seeing the empowerment of women in nerd culture isn't to actually make young women feel good about their place in the world, but to get them to become a product of sex trafficking. It sounds absolutely bizarre, right? It sounds foolish, even. But it's not insane because it sounds bizarre and because it sounds foolish. It sounds insane because it sounds... It sounds insane because it sounds plausible. And while I don't necessarily believe that that is true, I just can't shake the feeling that there might be some truth to it.